and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The headline reads, U.S. government leading all nations into the global beast system. That's the headline. So under whose flag do you wish to live? Well, perhaps we're about to find out. So much conversation is going on with regard to what's happening with regard to our government and with regard to the rest of the world. We see very clearly that the handwriting seems to be clearly on the wall, that we are being moved inexorably toward submitting the sovereignty of the United States of America to a global government effort. The World Health Organization is intent on accomplishing that objective. Interestingly... Our president, our putative president, is also intent on accomplishing that objective. Before him, a Republican president, George W. Bush, was intent on accomplishing that objective. Before that, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, as Democrat presidents, were intent on accomplishing that objective. And also, George Herbert Walker Bush was intent on accomplishing that objective. In 1990, he stood before Congress and gave an address that made history. To summarize it, he said, we're standing on the edge of a new world order. We're giving birth to a new world or global order. And we must seize this moment. In fact, the then Prime Minister of the UK, Britain, Tony Blair, also made his public statement. This is the moment to be seized, he said. We must not let this go without seizing the opportunity to accomplish what the world has been intending to do and desired to do for a very, very long time. Well, how long would that be? That would be since Genesis chapter 11, friends, the record of the building of the Tower of Babel. What we're experiencing now is the intentional rebuilding of the Tower of Babel in all of its significance, both spiritual, moral, economic, political, language, scientific, all of it is being used now to usher the world into this great, always anticipated, Many efforts having been made to accomplish it, final beast government. Now, where do we turn for the word beast? The word beast comes there in the book of Revelation a number of times. And uh, so what we're looking at, indeed, as the book of Revelation describes it, as a beast government. The beast government itself will be ruled by a figure, the beast himself, normally referred to as the Antichrist or the son of perdition. And so that gives us a thumbnail sketch of the overall environment, both historically and currently, of where we are and enable us perhaps to have a better handle on what we're going to talk about here today on Viewpoint. 
So I'm glad that you've joined us. It's Conversation with Ever-Increasing Conviction, Talk That Transforms. And what we're about to share here on Viewpoint, you may have never heard. It's true, you may have never heard about it. Many have not. But perhaps it will help you to understand that this process has been under uh, in process now toward the final globalization of the world, the final achievement of Satan's endeavor to rule the world as opposed to God as creator. That's really what it's about. That's really what it's about. And as we move forward here today on Viewpoint, you're going to see in a very different way, moving back approximately 300 years, you're going to see how powerful this movement has been and how it has encompassed the world in ways that you would never have believed. So, again, I hope that you'll stay tuned. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Another headline reads, UN plots giant power grab to deal with global emergencies. The United Nations, Bill Gates, and other powerful deep state actors are plotting an enormous power grab. These actions would put the U.N. and its agencies in charge of global emergency response for everything from climate change and economic crises to pandemics and outer space issues. Isn't this fascinating? Well, what you're about to hear today enables us to see how seizing a moment, seizing a particular moment, changes history. And not always for the better. Now, as we engage in our discussion here today, which I have not yet alluded to specifically and on purpose, uh, you're going to have different ideas and thoughts and viewpoints as we go into this discussion. I understand that. I also understand in my own mind uh, how... Uh, Some of the things could be justified, could be rationalized, could be blessed, uh, could be seen as a great, great advance for the world. On the other hand, we need to look behind the scenes to find out what the motivation was for the formation of the metric system. Now, I let the cat out of the bag. What was the motivation for the formation of the metric system? Was it purely scientific? Was it his sincere desire to accomplish some sort of measurement that would be uh, ideal for science and so on? Well, the answer is both yes and no. But behind the scenes was a more subtle, actually not so subtle at all, sinister, even seductive motivation We're adopting the metric system. So, with that having been revealed to you, you might want to consider getting a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It doesn't talk about this particular issue, but it does talk about how we're so easily seduced, how we're so easily brought into things that look good, feel good, seem to be good on the surface, but in reality are not good at all. In fact, are quite evil. That book is an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, 
or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Seduction of the Saints. Now, are you prepared? Do you think you might be prepared to launch into the deep concerning the real reason behind the development of the metric system. Are you sure? Just a week or two ago, I think it was, maybe it was longer ago than that, uh, Tucker Carlson had on his Wednesday night program a guest, James Panero, a cultural critic, executive editor of the new Criterion, and they talked about an article that Panera wrote for the Wall Street Journal about the metric system. Interested? Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. In the 1790s, the French government and state scientific academy created the first version of the metric system in an unprecedented effort at standardizing weights and measures. This was born, thus was born the system on October 22nd, June 1799. After almost a decade of cutting-edge scientific work, a team of experts from France and allied countries delivered the official platinum objects embodying the meter and the kilogram to the French government. But the new units did not match the Enlightenment dream. All right. The first clue that we have is that this was not just a scientific goal. This was a goal of the Enlightenment. What was the characteristic of the Enlightenment? The Enlightenment was a period of time right around the time of America's Revolution and preceding the French Revolution, that was characterized primarily by the rejection of God and the raising of the goddess of liberty and reason. Raising the goddess of reason. Reason was replacing righteousness from God's perspective. Therefore, humankind was going to cre- prepare and make its own morality. That was the heart of the French Revolution. Today, writing the history of the metric system is writing the history of a winner. All countries have adopted this system except for three. Now, what three countries do you think they are that have not adopted the metric system formally? Burma, Liberia, and the United States. Ever since the 1790s, the revolutionary dream of a system of units for all times, for all peoples, derived from natural parameters, has fascinated generations of scientists. Notice again the root 
was not God, not the creator, but the creation, nature. Nature was the foundation, not God, not the Bible, not anything of any spiritual content. It was nature. And it was designed and intended through the revolutionary dream for all times and for all peoples. That's, friends, what the spirit of Babel was, the Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you want to pronounce it. They babbled at Babel. They babbled because God confused their language. They thought that they had a language that they could stick with that would bind them all together and that would have them rooted for eternity, shall we say, into a common language which God himself attested to and said in Genesis chapter 11, now nothing will be restrained from them which they shall imagine to do. That having been said, as foundational, we go to the article that I referenced in Newsweek. This article states this. James Panero, a cultural critic and executive editor of the New Criterion, joined Tucker Carlson for a segment on Carlson's broadcast. Panero recently wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal attacking the metric system with its meters and kilograms and urged America to stick to its customary system of measurement, which resembles the old British imperial system. He said, almost every nation on earth has fallen under the yoke of tyranny, the metric system. That's what Carlson said. Almost every nation on earth has fallen under the yoke of tyranny, the metric system. From Beijing to Buenos Aires, from Lusaka to London, the people of the world have been forced to measure their environment in millimeters and kilograms. The United States is the only major country that has resisted. But he said, we have no reason to be ashamed for using feet and pounds. Panera, listen to this statement, friends. Panera, that's not the company Panero that sells you uh, nice food. This is James Panero called the metric system, quote, the original system of global revolution and new world orders, unquote. The original system of global revolution and new world orders. The metric system is the product of the French Revolution. It was imposed at the business end of the guillotine. Panero said it assumed to be progressive. It's assumed that everyone has got to be behind it. Does that sound familiar, friends, to what we're dealing with in the so-called progressive world today? Globalism? It's assumed that you have to be behind it. That's the reason why... Donald J. Trump was so severely attacked from the moment he descended the golden escalator there at Trump Towers and declared his presidency, declaring that he would make the effort to make America great again. He was despised from that moment. 
by the bulk of the elite rulers of America and the world. They said, not on my watch. You're not going to do that. We are about ready to launch the new world order that the world has anticipated since Genesis chapter 11 and since the French Revolution, and now we are ready to do it, and you are not going to interfere. So they continue to try to destroy him. For that reason, that is the reason. It has nothing whatsoever to do with his tweets. It has nothing whatsoever to do with his hairdo. It has everything to do with his resistance to the new global world order. So, what about this French Revolution? It went in for all ten. They tried to impose a ten-day week, a hundred hours, a hundred minutes, a hundred seconds. They had a whole new revolutionary calendar. Now, what was revolutionary about it? They had gotten rid of all of the biblical calendaring orientation. They despised it. They did not want to have any lingering impact of biblical authority or even influence, even in the calendar, even in measurements. No, they said we have to change it. That's the revolutionary spirit. So what was the spirit of the revolution? Was the spirit of the revolution formed in a motto, liberty, equality, and fraternity? No. The spirit of the French Revolution was in, we will be God. We will be like the Most High God. That was the spirit of the French Revolution. Therefore, it came against all authority. It came against all church authority. It came against the pastors and the priests. It came against anyone who would stand for the existing order of the world. There had to be a new world order. So the French Revolution was, in a sense, a prophetic declaration of what would happen 300 years later. In our time, right now, that's what's happening. That helps us to understand, friends, why the increasing worship of supposed reason and you you look at what's happening and it's not reasonable at all there's no reason to it except if you understand that it's about eradicating god biblical morality and anything referencing a creator from the earth and from memory therefore every man is doing what is right in his own eyes through his own human reasoning So the goddess of reason has arisen. Everybody is worshiping reason from their own mind and heart. Have you noticed how not everybody agrees on the reason? This is the nature of what the Bible describes as a reprobate mind. That's what we're seeing, a reprobate mind. But how far would people go? How far would a nation go in order to eradicate all remembrance of God, the Bible, the Christian faith from its memory? 
the French Revolution tells us that was the installation of the metric system. No matter how good you think the metric system is now, we're not here to discuss whether the metric system itself is good, bad, or ugly. We're talking about the motivation. You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. The motivation for things that are done on this planet, whether by others or by you and me, is as important to God as what is done, maybe more important. So, when they tried, when the French Revolution went in for all tens instead of sevens, they tried to impose no longer a seven-day week, but a ten-day week. No longer uh, 24 hours in a day, but 100 hours. No longer 60 minutes in an hour, but 100 minutes. No longer 60 seconds in an hour, but 100 seconds. Everything had to be revolutionized and changed. Now, this is the spirit of our times. You see, again, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, let's suppose that you are a scientist or fashion yourself as a pseudoscientist or you're involved in the scientific realm and you love science and so on. We're not here to debate the value or lack thereof of the metric system. That's not the point. The point is what motivated the, the French, uh, the, the metric system. So, amidst all the struggles of the revolution, the revolutionists didn't lose sight of the great question of national education, for instance. They tried to lay its foundations on principles of equality. Aren't we seeing that played out now? They call it equality, but not equality anymore. They call it equity. Equality was not sufficient for the spirit, the unfettered advance of the so-called progressive revolution. But the greatest intellectual monument of this period of the revolution was the metric system. That was the supreme production of the French Revolution. We talk about Madame Guillotine swallowing up the heads of thousands and thousands and thousands of people and the blood flowing down the streets of Paris. What a glorious event, right? Well, that's how they saw it. It was glorious. What was glorious about it? It was a revolution against all authority, all God-ordained authority, by the way, and against Christ himself and the Christian faith. That's what it was. But again, the greatest intellectual monument of that was the metric system. So the new so-called Republican calendar was a logical outcome of the metric system. It was adopted by the convention after two reports, and the new calendar inaugurated also a new era in the reckoning of years, which was to begin with the proclamation of the republic in France. Notice their government 
was also oriented to the metric system. The Christian week was abandoned. Sunday disappeared. The day of rest being each tenth day. This decision of the convention, which struck out the Christian calendar from daily life, necessarily emboldened those who saw in the Christian church and its servants the chief support of servitude. So now, the Christian church, whether you want to talk about Catholicism, France was primarily Catholic at this point, but all of that was deemed to be servitude. Really? We're going to take a further look at this. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, because the Antichrist will use exactly the same method to launch his final dominion. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcasts live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're looking at the advance of the new global world order, taking a look back in history, over the shoulder of history, at a time right at the end of the 1700s with the French Revolution. The French Revolution was not all as wonderful as people like to imagine it. In fact, so unwonderful was it that... When uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, a French observer, came over to America to try to understand what it was that made America great about 1830, that was about 31, 32 years after France adopted the metric system and after the French Revolution, what was it that he saw? What was it that Alexis de Tocqueville saw in the United States that was so radically different than what he experienced in France? We both had a revolution at about the same time. America's motto was liberty, equality, was was uh, liberty and justice for all. France's motto was liberty, equality, and fraternity. Sounds somewhat similar, but it didn't have the same results. Why did it not have the same results? Because the spirit behind it was radically different. The spirit behind the so-called liberty, equality, and fraternity of France was radically in opposition to the Creator, to God himself. In America, we were told that, well, even Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, 
uh, iterated this in uh, at the time of his Gettysburg Address. He said, this nation under God and only under God shall have a new birth of freedom. In this country, it was about establishing the rulership of God under biblical authority. In France, it was just the opposite. Now I want to ask you a question. Can you imagine then why America, even today, has refused to adopt the metric system and mandate, like all the other nations, the use of the metric system? Why do you think that is? It should be simple on its face. The answer. Because America's roots were under God and his authority. As was said, we have no government armed with power that can accomplish what needs to be done in this country under our Constitution. Our government was made for a moral and Christian people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Just totally the opposite of France. And Alexis de Tocqueville noted that. In his Democracy in America, when he came over, he observed, and you can read it right there in his book, he said, you know, America had all this wonderful, wonderful uh, natural beauty and uh, rivers and streams and uh, all of this and, and the commerce and all of that. But he said, that's not what caught my attention. He said, what really caught my attention was that the Bible was the supreme rule in the land. Whether or not a person was a Christian, he said, it's as if the people were universally submitted and governed by the Bible. Well, what is the Bible? God's word, God's instructions, the creator's uh, master plan for living. So if that were the foundation for America's taking off like a rocket when France could not establish a stable government for years, even with, with regard to the revolution, they couldn't do it. A radical, radical difference. Now can you understand why to this day America has resisted formally adopting the metric system and commandeering its citizens to universally employ it? It was it would be as if America and her government was commanding the people of this country to join in the spirit of the French Revolution, which was moved entirely by an attack against Christ, against God, against everything of the scriptures and God's authority itself. Now, that would be a pretty dangerous thing to do, wouldn't it? Now, Congress has, by the way, acted to enable or authorize uh, those who want to use, and uh, scientific community and so on, to use the metric system. But it has never become a mandate. I suspect, this is not a word from the Lord, but I suspect, 
that as things move on now in the next few years, you're going to hear or discover that America is going to, the effort is going to be made to force America to universally adopt the metric system. Why? Because it's a mark or manifestation of submitting to the new world order that began 300 years ago. 200 years ago, 225 years ago, whatever it was. 225 years ago. Now, you can understand then why I would indicate to you that this is a manifestation of how biblical prophecy is fulfilled even though we don't recognize that it's being fulfilled. This was one of the major movements to bring about a new, ultimate, end-time world order, and it began in the late 1700s. Almost the turn of the, uh, the uh, 19th century. This is one of the problems that we have as Christians. One of the problems that Christian pastors have in identifying the times that we live in and how things come to be the way they are. If we don't understand these things, if we don't have any kind of rootedness in history and the understanding of history, then we're doomed to repeat it. As it has been often said, the only thing we learn from history is we don't learn from history. And those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. That's exactly what's happening. Let me share with you a few of the things that took place there. So the decision of the so-called Republican Convention there in uh, France, which struck out the Christian calendar from daily life, necessarily emboldened those who saw in the Christian church and its servants the chief support of servitude. In other words, we're going to do what we want to do, thank you very much, and you ain't going to tell us and that you're trying to make us slaves, and therefore we're repudiating all of that. We're repudiating the Bible. We're repudiating the Word of God. We're repudiating all of those things, the Ten Commandments. We're creating our own. On three different occasions, the convention decided to retain a national church, though, subject to the state. While it treated the refractory priests who had not taken the oath to join with them with great severity. What kind of great severity? Well, against those priests, very severe laws were passed, deportation for those who refused to submit to the new world order, that is, the French Revolution, and from March 18, 1793 on, death. If you were caught, had been ordered, deported, and you were caught still in the territory of the French Republic after having been condemned to deportation, it was off with your head. This is pretty severe stuff, isn't it? Do you see what efforts are being gone to today to eradicate all memory of Christianity and of Christians to silence every word The cross has virtually been stricken from our country. 
and in accordance not to offend, even the churches have stricken the cross. So the first attempts of de-Christianization were like a war against all superstitious and hypocritical worship. They called Christianity a superstition. And so they desired to substitute for that a worship of the republic and of natural morality. What's natural morality? It's whatever you want to do, right? If it feels good, do it. That's what the revolutionaries in our country and across Western Europe are doing. That, my friends, no matter what you think of Vladimir Putin, at least he sees the debauchery that's taking place in the Frenchification, the French revolutionization of the Western world, and especially in America. He said, we're not going to do that. So they've passed laws against homosexuality, against transgenderism. The convention encouraged the movement against Christianity, not only by its attitude toward de-Christianization, but also by the use to which it put the church treasuries, which were transferred by order to the mint. A bishop, Bishop Goebel, Bishop of Paris, came in in state, in other words, officially, with all of his glory and splendor, on November 7th, 1793, accompanied by 11 of his vicars, to divest himself openly of his prerogatives and titles. In other words, he made a public show of his repudiation of Christ and his uh, realm within the Roman Catholic Church, instead revering as he did the, quote, eternal principles of equality and morality, the necessary foundations of every truly Republican government, quote, he now obeyed the voice of the people and renounced the practice of the functions of a minister of the Catholic faith. He deposited his cross and his ring and exchanged it for the red cap of the revolution. How many pastors, my friends, are going to do just that as the Antichrist makes his move? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. We're taking a look at the role of the founding of the metric system as a major, major step 
to fulfill the age-old intention of humankind to raise its fist against God and rebuild the Tower of Babel, a global government that would rule and reign ostensibly as provided to, to provide peace on earth, goodwill toward men in place of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. That's the goal. That's exactly the goal that George Herbert Walker Bush declared in 1990 before the Congress, mentioning the term New World Order for the first time from a president of the United States and then repeating it over 200 times during his administration of just four years. You can see the trajectory. Now, why do we talk about this? Is it just for information? Is this just uh, somehow to titillate your mind so that you say, did you hear what I heard? Uh, You you know, I, I never knew this. And you tell your friends, well, what are you going to tell your friends? Are you going to tell them just the information? Are you going to tell them what it really means? Are you going to tell them about the implication and the application for their life? That's what we're really doing this for. So that you will understand how near we are to the final events of world history as declared in the Bible, the word of God in spirit and in truth. And so that you will be prepared. You will not be like the five foolish virgins that were not prepared. They knew the wedding was coming, but they were not prepared. And they were not allowed special dispensation to get into the wedding. They were not prepared, and they were told to depart. Are you going to be prepared? Are your children going to be prepared? It's not just a matter of making some confession of faith. It's a matter of reorienting your life, not only to make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, but to submit to his authority, his rule and his reign. In other words, Jesus must become Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So, the beloved Apostle John said, whoever has this hope of the second coming of Christ in him will purify himself, even as Christ is pure. Now, you can't save yourself, but you can respond, even as you're hearing this program today. I suspect the Holy Spirit is speaking to many people and showing you, revealing some things in your life that are not right, that are out of order. Maybe it's deceit. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will keep you out of the kingdom, friends. Jesus said so. No matter how you justify it, no matter how you rationalize it, Jesus said, if you will not forgive others, their uh, trespasses, offenses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Pretty simple. So submitting to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord is a big deal. That's why we present these things. Yes, we need to be informed, but far more than that, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and hearts that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So we're going to continue on for the next few minutes till we wrap up. Uh, let me just make this uh, introductory statement uh, as we head into this final segment of the program. And that is, I believe that Pope Francis is operating under the spirit of the French Revolution. He's a revolutionary. By his own admission. Now, he isn't using the term French. He believes in liberation theology, which is another fancy term to claim to be following the Bible while actually following a rebellious spirit. In other words, creating your own morality. That's why he's having such a tough time to try to handle people who are saying, hey, Mr. Pope, we're just not going to cooperate with your support for uh, homosexuality. or homo- you're, you're, you're just weak. You refuse to stand firm. Why? Because you're capitulating to the people. Just like this Bishop Goebel of Paris submitted, capitulated to the pressures of the people of the Republic. So the assembly was seized thereupon with enthusiasm by that which he did that could only be compared to that of a night of August 4th in which uh, something dramatic had taken place there in Paris. So the members of the convention rushed to the tribune to follow the example of Bishop Goebel. In other words, Goebel paved the way. The the Bishop of Paris paved the way, and by his capitulation, he paved the way for many others to capitulate as well. In other words, they were not willing to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. They just were not. Are you? Are you willing to stand in the evil day? Don't answer too quickly, friends. If you're not prepared to stand today, you're not prepared to stand then. If you're capitulating today, you will capitulate tomorrow. And if you're capitulating when the tree is still relatively green in this country, when the tree gets drier and drier, you will guaranteed capitulate and refuse to hold fast to your faith. So the result of this scene in the in the convention there in France was tremendous. The whole of France and all the neighboring nations heard about it, and everywhere among the governing classes there was a flood of hatred against the Republic. In other words, the existing order that had been in place. In France, the movement spread rapidly to the provinces within a few days Several other bishops and a great number of clergy had divested themselves of their titles and left the faith that they claimed was the Christian faith and the basis for eternal salvation. They thought the Republic, they thought the uh, new French government, the spirit of the revolution would save them. Burn, burn the credentials of our priesthood. And may the very memory of our past state disappear in the flames which consume them. I lay upon the altar our fatherhood 
This silver medal, it bears the image of the last of those tyrants who, by reason of the scheming ambition of the clergy, was called most Christian. All the documents of priesthood were then burnt in a pile, and a, a thousand cries arose, perish forever the memory of the priests, perish forever Christian superstition, long live the sublime religion of nature. Oh, the sublime religion of nature. Friends, do you not understand that that is where the Western world is moving? That is what Joe Biden has been moving us forward with uh, incredible urgency. That's what the whole climate thing is about. The worship of nature. Not the worship of nature's God, the worship of nature. The elevation of Mother Earth over Father God. Down with patriarchy, they cry. Up with Mother Earth. On the whole, the anti-Catholic feeling in which a religion of nature was blended with patriotic sentiments. The department in the Commune of Paris decided to celebrate the following decade in Notre Dame itself and to organize a feast of liberty and reason right there in the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Blasphemy. In representing liberty, a living, living creature was preferred to a statue because, well, they said a statue would have also been a step toward idolatry. So the founders of the new faith recommended the choice for the fulfillment of so august a part of persons whose character makes them chastely beautiful and whose strictness of habits and views repudiates any base idea. The fete was rather a chaste ceremony very favorably inclined toward the de-Christianization movement. So guess what? They adopted a female figure called Marianne. You can see her sometimes on the cover of European magazines. I have one in my files. She was the representative now. Not Christ, but the beautiful woman, Marianne, chastely beautiful. The new symbol of the French Revolution. In a reply to religious speech by Robespierre, who was heading up, he was a lawyer, uh, very highly uh, regarded there in France, on November 23rd, an order by which all churches or temples of all religions in Paris were to be immediately closed. At the same time, a course of morality lectures was established to prepare the preachers of the new cult. Feasts of reason were organized, during which the Catholic faith was ridiculed. Yet the government, that is to say, the Committee of Public Welfare, from the very beginning showed a decided opposition to that movement, and Robespierre combated it openly. But why? And this is where it gets a little tricky, a little dicey. Robespierre pronounced at the Jacobin Club his first speech, and a very violent one, against the worship of reason. 
The convention, he said, would never take the rash step of forbidding the practice of the Catholic faith. The liberty of religion would be maintained. Have you heard those words before, friends? <laughs> yeah. All those things would never happen, not in this country. Oh, but they did. Later in the spring, Robespierre and his followers went still further and made an attempt to oppose the worship of reason, a new worship, and instead replace it with what they call the worship of the supreme being. Whatever that was. Not God. Not Christ. This worship, however, in spite of governmental support and the prospect of the guillotine for its adversaries, became confused with the cult of reason, even though it was called the cult of the supreme being. It was kind of like half deistic and half rationalistic cult. So as to the Feast of the Supreme Being, which was celebrated with great pomp in Paris on June 8, 1794, and to which Robespierre, posing as the founder of the new state religion, which was to combat atheism, attached much importance. But soon after, interestingly, remember that Bishop Goebel, the Bishop of Paris, had all the sympathies of the masses with them, but he'd been executed for his irreligious opinions by the committee. Now they become openly hostile, some of them openly hostile uh, to Robespierre himself, during the feast of the Supreme Being. And that became the beginning of the end. What happened? Robespierre was declared Messiah. And one day later, they took off his head. The history of the metric system. It was established as an expression, the ultimate expression, expression of the French Revolution to de-Christianize the world. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of my book, Antichrist. How to Identify the Coming Imposter. I think it will be very open to you. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. Become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Don't delay. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.